This is Jessica. And this is Kelly. And this is the Chasing Brighter podcast. Hi, everybody. As you know, in the month of January, we are focusing on health and wellness. And we are so excited today to have a new friend with us, Rachel Messenger, also known as the Health Messenger. She is joining us today and she's going to share a little bit with us about her journey to becoming someone whose focus and passion is on helping busy moms become healthier versions of themselves. You can also check her out on her new YouTube channel messy mom in the kitchen um we're so excited welcome rachel yeah welcome thanks so much for having me so rachel why don't you tell us you know how um tell us a little bit about your business and like how you've kind of what your journey has been like so i never really thought of myself as this until recently even though when i think back into my childhood from the days of um trying to sell decorated rocks. Um, uh, (laughs) I'm an entrepreneur and I have my own business. And really my focus is helping moms realize that their needs are important too. And not just lip service. I mean, how many times have you said, yeah, yeah, I know I need to take care of myself and then it doesn't happen. And really, I think the world is a lonely place for moms. We see what everyone else wants us to see on social media. They don't see the mess everyone has going on in their lives. And it feels lonely, helpless, and hopeless. So I'm in the business of giving them hope and support along the way while they work toward their health goals. And everyone's goal is different. How do they want to feel? What do they want to be able to do? What example do they want to set for their children? So I focus on providing inspiration and resources whether it's through my Instagram posts, Facebook posts, or my new YouTube channel, um, and showing just how to live a healthier life, how to feel the way you want to feel. Yeah, I love that. You know, um, I'd love to hear more about your journey into into healthy living um, and and thinking about, you know, where kind of that spark was for you on your own journey of health. So if it's all right, there's a lot of parts to it. I'd like to Mm -hmm. work backwards and start more recently and then go back to some of it. Yeah. So picture the 41 year old mom, two boys, ages six and nine. She's fine by most health standards, tired, sure but not dealing with any major medical issues, thankfully. She prides herself on her efficiency and scheduling, managing play dates, activities. She's a class mom, always likes to bake something to send in for class parties and for her kids' birthday parties. One of her greatest joys is when people compliment her on how well-behaved and polite her children are and how nicely and well they can converse with adults. But at the end of each school day, once the kids have their snacks and whatever homework is done, she sends them off to watch TV or play video games and takes a nap on the couch every single day. Then one night, she's getting ready for bed, and as she goes to pull on her elastic waistband pajama pants, she struggles. They're getting too tight. No matter how much she tries to hold on to control of everything in her life, she hasn't been able to do it with her health. So she sits down on the floor and cries. And really, that's the start of my journey. I didn't want to be that sad mom anymore. Yeah. Now, almost a year before that, 
the night before my 40th birthday party, I stood in the dressing room at the department store for almost two hours trying on dresses to find one that I felt good in. I did eventually find something, but it was a miserable experience. For as long as I can remember, I've had a constant battle between I know I should and I just can't stop. Yeah. Now I'll take you back a little further. When I was in high school, I used to begin most days with a candy bar and a can of Diet Coke. Now, I had a loving home, too, actually. My parents divorced when I was eight, but they were relatively amicable. I look at them as two kids who met, and then they grew in different directions. So by my high school, my week was split down the middle. Half the week with my dad and my bonus mom, because my dad remarried when I was 10, and half the week with my mom. My brother, who's two years younger than me, did the same. So I suppose one could say my breakfast choices were my attempt at control as a divorce kid. Um, but also the, the candies tasted good. They gave me a sugar rush for the morning. I was always the kid with the candy and the soda in the morning. So other kids would look at me like, my parents don't let me do that. Yeah. And of course, I had two specific ones that my, I don't know that I'd call it an addiction because I think that is a strong word. Um, and I do think that's something that's serious that people who have them for whatever the ailment or the reason is, they, they need real treatments and support mm -hmm. for, but I take it one or two steps below that. And I would alternate each day between either the chocolate and peanut butter candy or the chocolate and minty candy. Ooh. And that habit came along with me to college. I mean, people knew they would come into my dorm and there was one of those bath, there were these um, plastic garbage can type things that sat on the desk where you would put like stuff in pencils or whatever. And mine was filled with candy. And these same two things, the small, it was the mini ones. And in college, I danced 15 to 18 hours a week. So I was by no means healthy, but I was active. But your metabolism was high <laughs> and everything else, right? Exactly. So it wasn't the, the freshman 15 or anything because, you know, when you dance 15 to 18 hours a week, it's a lot. How did um, you think, or I don't know if you remember, but what do you think you're, so were you dancing, like when you're saying you're going back and you're starting your day with the candy bar and a soda, I mean, do you think you had energy to get through the day or were you also super active at that time? So in college is when my daily naps began. Mm -hmm. I would get up in the morning, go to class. I was kind of one of those people who... Some were like, wait, no, you don't. When you're in college, you're supposed to sleep in and start your classes later in the day. But for me, my routine was to get up, have a nine o'clock class, take my candy and soda with me, have lunch, go back to my dorm, nap all afternoon, get up and go to dinner, dance rehearsal, come home, do homework until the wee hours of the night, probably having some more candy and then sleep for a few hours. So I had sleep a good chunk in the afternoon and a good chunk, you know, mm -hmm. at yeah. the hours of the morning. Kelly and I are huge fans of sleep. We're obsessed with sleep. We had like a two-part episode about sleeping. Um, and I always say, you know, when people talk about their sleep, I don't know if it's good quality sleep. You know, I always ask, are you taking a nap? 
right? Can you make it through the day without a nap? And I know when we're younger, we have different sleep needs, but it sounds like, you know, um, the way you were fueling your body and then the way you were sleeping, you know, uh, it sounds like it was a struggle to maintain good energy. It was, then it wasn't, I don't know that I thought about, well, actually, I shouldn't say I don't know. I can a hundred percent say I was not focused on that. Yeah. Yeah. And dancing was something for me that it lit me up from the inside. When I, I met my husband on match.com and I remember in my profile, I said, I want to meet someone who makes me feel the way I do when I dance. And I, it's funny because I was just talking with someone about the best compliment I ever received, which was in college, the mother of someone in my dance group came to watch rehearsal. And I wish I could remember the exact wording, but she basically said at the end of rehearsal, I can tell how passionate you are and how much you love to dance just by watching you. And to me, Hands down, greatest compliment I've ever received. Yeah, wow. I think it's like right, right cut to 20 years later. And I think so many of us moms lose those things, right? It's like we replace like kids in there. And it's like we forget about chasing our own joy, right? Finding that joy again. It's like we just make the kids our joy sometimes. And then we lose ourselves. And I think that's really what has brought me to where I am now that, you know, I had these, I got to that point where I was when I was 41, I had taken a look back at how I got here. I can probably pull 10 or 20 other different aspects that all led up to that point. But ultimately, I don't know, March, April of 2020, I mean, we all know what the world was like then. And here I was feeling great. I suddenly had this inner spark. And I was like, if I feel this way, how can I not share this? Like, isn't it selfish not to let other people in on this secret and bring them in? And maybe I share it with one person. Maybe I share it with hundreds. But there has to be at least one more person who can feel this way. And I think that coupled with something that both brought me, again, tears and joy of as I was having this personal transformation as an individual, as Rachel, my son looks at me and says, you know, mom, you haven't really been yelling at us so much anymore. And I thought, well, that kind of sucks that I had turned into that yelling mom that I never thought I would be. However, we're now turning the corner and not only am I feeling better, but it's impacting my family and that my kids are noticing it. Now, that was three years ago. There, but definitely he has now since entered the teen years and um, that's another ball game. But I think that the the mindset work that I have done on myself has still enabled me to take a step back in some of those teen arguments. And I, I 
I'm happy about where, where we are right now. Yeah, I think that's so true when it comes to interaction acting with our kids, right? A lot of that is about us, right? That's our stuff and not their stuff. And that's such a good point, right? When you are um, fueling yourself and when you are caring for yourself that, you know, and, and doing the mindset work, you know, that's going to start showing across all settings and, and you see the benefits with how that, you know, your interactions with others. And I have a teen and a tween and then a little guy and Kelly's got a tween and I, what they can throw at you and come up with is to me, it's almost like laughable because that's not my baby angels that were so sweet. It's, it's funny, but they can really test that, that mindset work a lot too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it's, I think something that I'm realizing now is you have to be in the place to do that mindset work. I mean, I remember when I was in my 20s living in New York City and I would go into Barnes and Noble because, you know, you could go there and hang out for free as opposed to needing to go to the coffee shop and buy something. So I'd meet a friend and we'd hang mm -hmm. out and you'd like meander through and I'd see the self-help and just kind of roll my eyes like, okay, what is that? You know, totally. And, and now in a place of seeing all of the benefits, I mean, sure. I've picked up books and started them and thought, this is not what I need right now, but looking for the ones that are going to help me make the changes that I want to make to be the best version of myself mm -hmm. so that I can approach parenting and approach life with the way that I want so that I know how to have the responses I want. So Rachel, you sound like you are, you know, you're, you've been super smart about this and kind of approach this in a way that it sounds like you were able to kind of take, take a look, take yourself out of your body and kind of like figure out how to like tackle this. So tell us like you're, you're on the floor crying. What did you do? What are some of the things you're like, okay, I got to do this, that, and the other thing. Like, what are some small changes you might've made right away? I think the first thing was realizing that I'm not the only one going through this. Yeah, for sure. That I needed to not try to do it on my own because I think there's something I've always been someone who's independent that mm -hmm. I want to keep up with others. I want to, while I've been very shy, I, I want to be, I want to be a role model. I want to be, and not just for my kids, but I, yeah. I want to be someone who others look to mm -hmm. an expert in a, a boisterous way of like, Oh, I know all of this, but I want to be an inspiration. I want to make an impact. And to go from that to say, I need help was not an easy thing. And so I think the first thing is, recognizing that I didn't have to do it by myself. Um, awesome. And I think the other thing is 
while setting big goals and high bars are great, I think small changes are a much more productive start. Mm -hmm. One of the books that I read that same year was um, Atomic Habits by James Clear. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Favorite books. I've gone back to, to it and to different parts in it. And one of the things that he says in that book is you should have habits that are small and doable and simple, things you could do every day, and that it doesn't take a lot of effort. Because once you are, it takes a lot more effort, it's harder to be consistent because it takes a certain amount of time to be consistent with those habits. Yeah. Yeah. And you said that you um, uh, needed help. So was that books or did you work with any person or... Yeah, I reached out to someone. I became part of a community and having having that kind of support system, I think, is really what has helped me and has also given me a different type of friend group that I didn't have before. Yeah, yeah. And what do you think um, ignited that passion to help moms specifically? I think my own experience that I've been there, that I may not know exactly what your experience is, but do I know what it's like to wonder why our moms didn't seem to carry this same kind of stress and high expectations that we do? Sure. Do I know what it's like to sit back and envy someone else because of how they're carrying themselves, what they're wearing, what size they're wearing? Absolutely. I don't know what goes on behind their closed doors, but I know what it's like to see what someone else puts out into public mm -hmm. and to wonder why don't I have that? And is that possible for me? Or to not think it's possible, but now I know it is. So what about just thinking about, you know, as a mom and especially as your kids are getting older, right? Once they hit school age and once I get into the upper upper like middle school and beyond too i feel like things get busier and busier so what are some tips you have for for those you know moms i mean as as you know the six to eight hours your kids are gone for the day go by really fast and then you're going to like 100 miles an hour kids are home homework food sometimes you got sports and all of that um what are some meal tips that you have for busy moms? So I think there's, it's funny because when I was thinking about these, all of these cliched phrases and sayings came to mind, but we hear them for a reason, right? I'm sure one that comes to mind is when you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And meal prep and snacking prep is something I used to struggle with. And I've had the greatest success in sticking to foods and drinks that serve my goal, you know, feeling me, uh, having me full of energy and not exhausted and needing those daily naps um, when I plan ahead. And I find that it's also for those who are looking to be 
perspective and their grocery bills. Um, it's also cheaper when you do meal planning, because if you can find 10 minutes, you know, whether you're sitting at the sports game or waiting in the parking lot for pickup and, you know, you pull the flyer that came out of your kid's backpack that's you know, flying around your car and just write on it, whether it's one day, two days, a few days, what are the meals going to be? And, and knowing and matching that up with a schedule like today is Taekwondo and band. OK, so I need something for this dinner. Either dinner's going to be super early, super late, or I need something we can have on the go. So doing a menu plan, I think, is the first thing. And I think some people are intimidated by the idea of a meal plan because a lot of templates are a full week. And personally, I do Monday through Friday. Let's everybody know what food is going to be, what meals are going to be served or what, what is going to be served for dinner. Mm-hmm. It allows me to make the grocery list. If I have ingredients that I'm not using for all one meal, I can then also think, oh, how can I use this either in my lunch or another one so that I'm not wasting food? That's great. Repurposing. Love that. Knowing your time. Yes, it is going to be better to buy your own fruits and vegetables, wash them and cut them. But if you know that you are going to have a busy week, weekend schedule and don't think you'll have the 20 minutes to do that, buy things that are pre-cut. Like, okay. I th- yeah. cool. It's more expensive, but I think you don't think, oh, let me grab sliced peppers and a thing of hummus. Let me grab a bag of chips instead. And it's just mm. a mind. It's just a shift that I don't think we naturally come by. And it just takes a little bit of thought to become part of the new habits that you do. I think that's so true. Like we would totally buy a bag of chips, but you would talk yourself out of like buying the pre-cut celery and then you throw the whole celery away as it rots because you never washed it and cut it. <laughs> right. It's a great point. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I saw right that you you share that you are an Enneagram one, a perfectionist and Kelly and I um I did an episode on the Enneagram and mm-hmm. um, discovered, and it's interesting to see life through that lens because I disagreed with my Enneagram until my big sister told me that that was totally who I am. So I'm a three, I'm an achiever, um, which is just so, it, it's so crazy to see life through that lens. So with the achiever, like an achiever does not believe in unconditional love. They only believe they're worthy through achievement. So that is such like the personal work I've done. It goes back to worthiness for me. So that is like, oh, okay. Right. That's where that's kind of coming from. And for those of you who are not familiar with the Enneagram one, the perfectionist, you know, a perfectionist is, you know, they're typically stickler for rules and details. Um, They get frustrated when things don't live up to their very high standards at work, relationships, day-to-day lives, and one's fear being seen as imperfect 
And they cope with this fear by being rigidly disciplined and very hard on themselves. Um, and so I, it's kind of like a two-part question for you. How has knowing, um, you know, that you are an Enneagram one, how, how has that kind of um, helped you as you navigate through the world, seeing, seeing yourself through that lens? Um, it's funny you say that you disagreed because I struggled to figure out at first what I was. And I read the book, I did an Enneagram test and I came back with three numbers. And then I read the book, The Road Back to You, which I love. And as I was reading it, I thought, oh, I'm this number. Oh, I'm this number. And finally, what got me was there is a line in the book about the dishwasher. And it, I should have pulled the book out to see exactly what the line is, but it was something to the effect of there's only one true way to load a dishwasher or when you open the dishwasher and someone else loaded it, you feel compelled to redo it. And I was like, that's me. That's my dad. That's me. There's, you know, on the one hand, I'll get annoyed when people load it the wrong way. On the other hand, I'd get annoyed when they leave the dishes in the sink because I just, in my mind, I used to not understand. It's about efficiency. If you don't put things in, if, if you put things in touching, they're not going to get clean. If you put things in haphazardly, you're not going to maximize the amount that's in there or that gets in there. But I think there's two ways to approach things like the Enneagram and um, identities or personality tests. You can either use it as an excuse or a tool. And I think at first I really would use it as an excuse. Oh, when ones are stressed, they go into whirlwind, they can't focus, they can't get stuff done. So I'm going to blame it on my being a one in time of stress. But as I did more self-work, I learned to use it as a tool to say, all right, I am feeling the energy feels like it's just it doesn't have a place to go. I can't focus. I know there's a way to do it and I just can't do it. And so I do a few things. Once I recognize that, I find I use a method to re-regulate depending on what it is. Sometimes I'll go for a run, I'll do deep breathing, I'll do grounding, which um, grounding is that I'm not sure if that's something you guys have talked about on the show before. Well, I know Jesse's pretty well. Is I'm a mental like, health therapist. <laughs> touch touch uh, something, see something. Is that the grounding? Yeah, I mean, it's like the term, right? Grounding, like if you think about your feet on the ground, right? But bringing you into present, bringing you into the reality, bringing you into the moment. And there's a lot of ways that, that okay. you can do that. There's a lot of strategies to do that. You're thinking of, yeah, the five, four, three, two, one grounding method, Cal. Yes, but it can be like listing all football teams, naming all the colors you can think of uh, to kind of get you out of your head and um, into the present moment. So the specific one, which one, before I knew anything about grounding, I mean, I was talking to someone who could pretty much hear the vibrations coming through my messages. And I happen to be in this room that I'm in right now, which has a door that goes outside. And she said, take off your shoes and go stand outside barefoot. And I said, are you serious? 
And she said, I'm a hundred percent serious. And I, you know, left my shoes in here, stomped outside down the stairs and stood on the grass, put my feet in the grass and just stood there and let the earth actually take my energy and take, not take my energy in a like zapping way, but take all of the, the, um, noise or something. Yeah. The vibration. Like the twitchiness and I came back in and some of that tension and stress was out and I then thought okay now I as a one I want to be efficient I want things to get done I'm not going to go with everything let's pick one thing what is one thing I can do right now okay groceries. I'm going to make a list of them. And that way I can feel that sense of checking off a list and being accomplished. I can set a timer and say, I'm going to do 15 minutes of business work. And then having that, I guess that a different way of grounding of saying, I'm recentering back on tasks and I know these tasks make me feel safe and secure and the knowledge the the knowledge that that's part of my personality has helped me to find things or to i guess to find things and look for things that help me get to my goals and help me feel good so I think I, I want to, so there's Rebecca Scritchfield. She has a book, Body Kindness, and she talks about in positive psychology, spiraling up versus spiraling down. And so she talks about for many of us, right, that can be anxiety, perfectionism, whatever that is for us that will tend to, to spiral, right? And so she says, create identifiable actions to spiral up. So when she was talking specifically about food, right, like let's say you go to work, whatever you have these intentions to eat clean that week and you go to work, there's a, there's a birthday party and you have a piece of cake and then you're like, whatever. Now I had cake. Now I'm going to have soda. My whole day is ruined, blah, 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 blah. So she was like, we can have actionable steps to like spiral back up. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to go have my water. I'm going to go whatever. But it sounds like for you, that's what you've done is take like identify actionable steps to, instead of, you know, continuing to spiral to spiral up and like you're saying okay i know i'm a perfectionist so i'm going to embrace that it's like when i have you know control over things i feel better so i know that if i shift to what i have control over um that's going to help me you know through this moment absolutely yeah yeah i I like that. that i like that a lot too i mean i struggle with anxiety and um i think it's hard for me sometimes to like I let so much of my mind get consumed by a thing. I don't get anything done. Like yesterday we had a garage door repair guy here, like a lot of the day and I did nothing. Like, was I repairing the garage? (laughs) No, but like, it was just like, he was there and in my mind, it just like took up a lot of space instead of like, okay, let me just take 15 minutes and do this or that. Like, and I did get a little bit done, but I didn't get nearly done as I should have because like, for whatever reason, I was like waiting for him to leave. But he was in the garage. <laughs> he wasn't even out, you know what I mean? So that's my own issues. I think, I love I, yeah, Kelly, I think you have the meditation that also reminds me, 
Rachel, when you're talking about grounding and energy, there's a meditation that we have that's like, let it, it's something like let the energy, you know, flow through you down through your feet into the ground to be recycled by the earth. And I don't know why, but I like that, you know, like, it's like, I don't like to waste. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, my energy is going to go out and be recycled <laughs> into something else. <laughs> so I like that when you were told to go, right. And there are grounding mats. Now you can buy grounding mats and things like that, but like, That's it's cool. a physical tactile thing. Um, if you're able to go out and feel the earth on, on your feet, um, and then, you know, energy is flowing through everything. And so it's like recognizing I, you know, I don't feel right. I, you know, I feel anxious. I feel whatever I, I need this out. And then taking that moment, you know, I like the visual of it just kind of flowing out of you, you know, but it, it's so true. Sometimes, for all of us, for whatever reason, we get stuck on things, right? And we feel overwhelmed. And then it's like, we don't have an actionable step prepared. And so I, I love that. It sounds like that's how you've been able to change that mindset. Like you're saying, former perfectionist, because it's like by embracing it and then having actionable steps to, to kind of get shift out of it. Yeah. I think also over the last couple of years, I've gotten out of my head, you know, with the Enneagrams, there's, I think one is part of the fear triad. And, you know, there's, there's a certain aspect of fear of something, fear of what's happening, what will happen if it's imperfect. Because I've become more comfortable in the imperfect I think it's taken away some of the fear and that has translated into it's translated a lot into my parenting. I think, I think, whereas I used to be the one who wanted the last word, it's created much healthier relationships and happier relationships where I can in my head say, the last word, yeah, I know you are wrong, or I know that is going to result in being tired because you're staying up late or whatever the case is. Mm -hmm. um, but embracing the idea that there should, there doesn't need to be that fear that when you fear the unknown, but then you start to think of, well, what are the worst case scenarios? And when the worst case scenario really isn't that bad. Back to the dishwasher example. If it's not perfect, okay, what's the worst that's going to happen? Something needs to be rewashed or it gets run more frequently. And it might be a silly example, but being able to rationalize has helped me approach things much differently. And also it's all unknown, right? Like it's, it's like when, when we think we have control and we try to control can make us crazy. Right. But it's like, I don't know, somebody might burst through my door right now. I don't know what's going to happen in the next five minutes. And if we can kind of, you know, I like to think of like living in the flow, right. Just being able to live in the moment and recognize like we don't have any control anyway. 
you know? Uh, but, but I do that as well when things get really stressful. I'm like, okay, what's the worst thing that can happen? I always break it down to like, well, anyone die. Okay. No death. It'll be fine. If there's no imminent death, <laughs> we'll be fine. It'll be all right. Be okay. You know, if they don't have a perfect birthday, if the streamers aren't hung up, if the, you know, whatever, um, being able to just kind of like, let go of that. Well, we just came out of like the holidays too. And just trying to keep like our whole focus on the podcast was like having a self full holiday and trying not to get so wound up in how things needed to be. Um, Cause it gets so busy and crazy and just kind of learning to let things go. Um, which I really did a good job, Jess. I don't know if I told you, but Brian told me it was the calmest he's ever seen me in the holidays. And I, I made just a conscious effort. I think even maybe that's some of it to who, to what you're saying is it's like, you're consciously like, wait, I'm in this moment. And if I really think about this, it's not a big deal, even though you get like thinking that it is, but the moment you're like, this is ridiculous. You kind of like check yourself, I guess, in some way it's hard. It's hard to get in the habit of doing that. It is. And I think that that word habit is exactly the right thing that we are so comfortable, even in the things that make us uncomfortable, just because they're what we know. Mm -hmm. And that it can be scary to try something else. But if we have a goal and we can see small steps to get there. That's how we build those new habits. I mean, I think of one of the reasons I, I think I got to where I was in, in terms of feeling unhealthy and that phrase that I used before, I know I should, but I just can't, or, but I made a choice or did something that went against what I know I should do. I often think of social situations that I was really uncomfortable talking with people. People used to view me as quiet and shy and polite. And really it's because I was kind of socially scared that I had that fear of what if I say the wrong thing? What if I don't know the answer? What if I don't have the right response? Mm. And I think in some of the personal growth that I've done, there's two parts of um, learning how to be an active listener, that people in my experience will value much more when you hear what they have to say versus having a response prepared for the second they finish their sentence. Mm-hmm. Totally. And I think the other part in going into those social situations, I mean, personally, I used to food in my mouth or drink in my hand because that way I didn't need to seem awkward not having that immediate response. And so one tip that I have for people who are nervous about social situations like that, who are, you know, you go to a party and you're thinking, oh, I don't want to drink so much or I I want to stick to my healthy eating goals, mm-hmm. you know, but you want to, you find yourself doing that nervous eating or nervous drinking is to, to plan and prepare. Are you, who is going to be there? 
what are things that you can ask them? And I do a lot of prep work when I go to to anything, whether it's a PTSA night or a book club or even a family gathering to think about who's going to be there. What questions can I ask? What is whether it's plans, occupation, people tend to stay away from, you know, politics. But if there are other things going on, world events, books, podcasts, TV shows, there's so many different things. Mm. When you're nervous, won't come to mind. But if you give yourself time to prepare for them, you might not remember every single one, but that's okay because you have an arsenal of a few in your back pocket. And in addition to thinking about who's going to be there and what questions you can ask, thinking about what experiences have you had so that when you ask them and they ask you back, you can share. Or to say, I have not been to the movies in two years, but I watched this great show on Netflix or some kind of prepared with how you can contribute as well. I love that. I think that's a great tip. And, you know, even today with social media, right, there's a lot of people who post things, especially when you're getting together with family, you know, you can always even just kind of see where do they travel to or where those other things that you can maybe ask them that you didn't think about. I love that. I think that's a great um a great tip because I tend to like go into conversations or go to parties or whatever. I don't get to invite as many as Jessica does, but <laughs> um, it's like I get there and then like I forget all of that stuff. And then I get home and I'm like, why didn't I ask, you know, Kristen about her cruise or blah, blah, blah. And especially when it's hard to kind of get warmed up with that social situation. Cool. So I know you've talked about, um, you know, when we look at being a busy mom, wanting to feel better, um, wanting to make healthier changes to shift to a healthier lifestyle. You talked about just making small, simple changes, um, planning, you know, doing some meal planning, um, engaging in a community. Um, what other tips do you have um, again, for us busy moms who'd like to feel better. You know, when I think back to when my children were younger, I'm not sure about you two, but there were two things that I was always keenly aware of, sleep and hunger. When, even now, but especially when the kids were younger, I always had snacks in the car. I always had snacks in my purse, in my pocket, in my whatever, <laughs> wherever. I always mm-hmm. had snacks for them because everything was great until the moment they got hangry. And I think we don't think about ourselves as the same way. If we care for ourselves the way that we cared for our children when they were younger, giving them food free more frequently, not waiting until the, the hangriness sets in, I think that is something that busy moms can use Mm-hmm. to have the energy they want and to set the example for their kids of don't wait until it's dinner time. If you're preparing things and you know the kids are coming in, make a little plate with fruit and nuts and cheese or you know a bunch of things. I know my husband and my kid, they'll come in and I mean, I have one who's a little pickier, but um, 
one eats most vegetables. So if it's cut and sit out there, we'll all kind of munch on it. And having those things ready, um, again, it might be that I'm making it. It might be that I buy the pre-cut. But that's I think great. You know, I love that. Yeah. That's so true. I think that's what it kind of comes down to, right, is moving yourself up the priority list. And if you're number 10, you're going to feel like number 10, right? And so it's like, what are those changes that you can make to make sure that you're caring for yourself just as much as you're caring for the, those loved ones? I know we use the term busy moms and... I used to think there was the award for the busiest mom. And so I've tried to shift the phrasing of having a full day because it just sounds different to me. And, and I think words matter, but I think there is always time for what's important to us. And as our teens and tweens are getting older, I think they want to have more control over what they're doing for sure. And Involving them in menus, I think, is important. I know I used to fight with one of my kids about fruits and vegetables. And finally, we sat down and said, all right, let's list the proteins you like. And this is for the picky eater. Let's list the proteins, the fruits and the vegetables. And we're going to build a meal plan for the week, Monday through Friday. We actually did this in the summer of 2020. And we've pretty much kept it all the way through. So that helps him know what's coming up. It has set the expectations. It alleviates some of the fights. It helps with me and my groceries and my planning because I'm not in that full busy time saying, oh, what are we going to have? It's They've been involved in it. They know. And, and that part is helpful. And then I think the last thing is to find ways to treat yourself that are not food and drink. You know, you can find research on both sides of the spectrum of is wine good for you or is it not good for you? So I'm not going to debate any side of that. But I think it's important when you're doing when you're having a glass of wine or having a drink or whatnot. Is it because you enjoy it and you want to have it or is it because you need something to take the edge off? And I think it's important to find things that as a busy mom or as a stressed mom help you blow off steam that are are not food and drink whether it's exercise for some whether it is i mean i think about great i used to watch Grey's anatomy religiously and they would say dance it out um you know whether it's grounding or some other things i think it's really important for moms to do two things which is find ways to blow off steam because also, if you don't do that, you're going to explode where you don't want to. And also find things that bring you joy because bringing joy to yourself is it's not selfish. It's going to translate into teaching the lesson that your happiness should not be dependent on someone else, that you find mm -hmm. things that bring you happiness. And we know that there's so much of a connection between body and mind. Mm -hmm. And I think finding what brings you joy 
is one of the key foundations of living a healthy lifestyle. Absolutely. I think that's a big, big core idea for us, even with Chasing Brighter, is truly that. I mean, finding that is, you know, finding multiple ways and just spending the time to explore. Jess? Yeah, I love that. No, I love it. I, I think um, I know a lot of the things you talked about today, Rachel, resonates with me. You know, I just want to thank you so much, Rachel, for joining us today. This was so wonderful. I loved you sharing your story with us. Yes. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for listening and joining us today. And don't forget to follow us on social media at Chasing Brighter or on our blog, ChasingBrighter.com.